0: Hey everybody, this is Kayson, and welcome back to another episode of Hey Kids, this is Titans Talk with Kayson, a very official Tennessee Titans podcast. Joining me today,
1: as always, my co-host, my mom. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. You know, I've got to tell you, every week that we get to do this, I'm always so happy because... We stop the world for a few minutes and take the time and sit in here and have a conversation. And it's, uh, you know, centered around one of our favorite things in the whole world, which is the Tennessee Titans. And yeah. So, yeah. How are we feeling after this game, Kaysen? Mm-hmm.
0: I'm a little disappointed. They had an opportunity when it was 16-3. I mean, offense struggled, defense struggled, special teams. Surprisingly, it had a a rocky day, and the Patriots ended up running away with this one, 36-13. We have a bye week this week. Players are going to get rested up, especially we're going to need that after all the injuries we've been having. Um, Really great timing for a bye week at this point in the season, and all you can do right now is just reflect on what the mistakes you made, look at film,
1: and... Try and figure out for the Jags next week. And that game is on the 12th. It is good timing for the bye week. And I think that the players and the coaching staff as well are just exhausted. And I'm really hoping that this time off for them helps them out tremendously. And I think it will. You know, when typically when we're busy with our week and if we just get some downtime during the weekend, that helps us. So I can imagine it's going to be really beneficial for the players. So, Kason, where do we stand with the AFC South? So, we have the Titans at number one
0: at eight and four, the Colts at number two at six and six, the Jaguars at number three at two and nine, and the Texans at number four at also two and nine. And we are still top of the AFC South, thankfully. Yeah, that's a positive thing, right? Yeah. We still have a shot at the number one seed if we can clean things up and get the offense ready and defense and for um, a good matchup against the, against the Jags in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I agree because we're almost tied. I mean, numbers wise, we're kind of tied with the Patriots and they are in the number two spot. And of course, the Ravens moved up to number one. But if you look at it on paper, we're tied with Patriots. But because we lost the game against them, they're ahead of us. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're kind of just turning the page on that. And this is officially our two-year anniversary for the show that we started on november 30th 2019 yeah and congratulations to you congratulations to both of us (laughs) i know first of all we've survived um (laughs) but you know it's just been such a cool thing like i mentioned at the top of the show i really do mean this when i tell you that it's so good for me to just be able to sit down with you talk football and and You know, have some together time during the week. Same way. Aw. Yeah. Thank you. I love you so much and I'm so proud of you.
0: Thank you. Honestly, this show would not be anywhere without you, like putting it out there and helping me get through the show. So I just want to say thank you.
1: Aw. And I'm gladly grateful. Mm Aw. I love you, honey. I love you. And high five to that. (laughs) So, can you give in your own words kind of, um, your thoughts on what the last two years have been like now we've we've done two years but in that two years we've had we're in the middle of our third season yep so um I remember
0: sh- starting out the show very nervous because like I was 11 and I was just a little uh, nervous then after a while i started getting to more of the flow and back in February I remember getting the news that uh, that the Titans wanted to partner with our podcast and I um, Honestly, I um, I was surprised that that happened. But, I mean, not really be, um, because of all the marvelous stuff you do on the show. Oh, but,
1: me? Well, yeah. It's a team effort. It's Team Romero,
0: remember? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't believe it going from recording, like, so nervous. And now we're talking Titans for the Titans. So that's pretty cool.
1: Is, <laughs> I love how chill you are about it. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool. But, you know, in my mind, I'm like doing jumping jacks and cartwheels, because it's so phenomenal, truly, to be part of the official Titans podcast network. I think I'll always still just be in awe of that. But yeah. So has there been a moment in this whole journey that we've had so far that that stands out for you that you want to share?
0: Yeah, just the fact
1: on how far we've come. What does that mean to you? How far we've come?
0: Like we started out as like an idea Mm-hmm. and it seemed a little crazy because it, a 10-year-old saying, I want to start a Titans podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not, that sounds a little crazy, but it ended up being one of the greatest things in my life. So
1: oh, yeah.
0: I'm extremely grateful that uh, our podcast has gone to where it is it is today, and I'm extremely grateful to do it with you.
1: Oh, Thank you, honey. Yeah, I feel the same. It's, you know, to just sit here and... Behind the microphone can sometimes be very intimidating because then you hear your own voice and your headphones. It took you a little bit of time to get used to it, but then you just kind of went with it. And it's, I go back and listen to the old episodes, and they are just incredible, you know? And you can hear how long or how far you've come with interviewing and having, we've had so many great guests on the show. It's just, it's been so much fun to be a part of. And I cannot wait to see what the future holds. How about you?
0: I'm excited. Uh, (laughs) I'm very excited. Uh, It's just, I'm so excited to see what is in the foreseeable future.
1: Mm -hmm. We've got some really cool upcoming episodes, some cool guests. Um, But right now, we just want to take a moment to thank you, listener, for tuning in every week and following the show on Instagram, following me on Twitter, and on Facebook, we're just we're super grateful. I know that's we're, it sounds kind of repetitive, but it's truly what we feel. We are just genuinely grateful. Thank you so much for your support um, and us, encouragement,
0: all the kind words and good vibes you send out to me, uh, you send out to the show and my mom. So thank you so much. We'd like to give all the shout outs to the amazing guests we've had on our show. Former WSMV News 4 sports reporter, Justin Beasley.
1: Nate Bain, Director of Social and Influencer Marketing Strategy for the Tennessee Titans. Lance Smith, Titans game day hype man for Nissan Stadium. Jim Wyatt, the goat of all things TennesseeTitans.com. That's right. Friend of the pod. We just, we love you, Mr. Jim. Totally. ESPN NFL Nation reporter, Teron, aka TD Davenport. Buck Rising of A to Z Sports and the Buck Rising Show on Nashville's 104.5 The Zone. Rob Naylor of Titans Uni UniTracker. Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame Executive Director Brad Willis. Titans Cornerback Elijah Molden. Super Bowl I veteran defensive back Dave Hathcock of the Green Bay Packers. Matt Unger and Bill Flanagan from the Titans Digital Content Creative Team. Tennessee Titans Visual Assets Manager and Team Photographer, Donald Page. And Titans Cheers, Donovan. You can find all of our conversations with our guests that we just mentioned on any of the podcast apps that you are listening from, or go to TennesseeTitans.com and search for Titans Talk with Kason under the audio tab. And lastly, the voice of the Tennessee Titans himself, Mr. Mike Keith. (laughs) Oh, we are so lucky we have had so many amazing guests. And like I said, there are plenty more cool and amazing guests to come on this show. So, what we thought we would do is to celebrate our two year anniversary, we thought we would go ahead and replay our very first conversation with the VOT, Mr. Mike Keith. (laughs) And we have that as part of your My Life As series, Yep. where we have conversations with people within the sports world to find out how they got started with their cool jobs. And that's exactly what we talked about with Mike Keith.
0: Having Mike on the show was surreal. I mean, he's an awesome guy. Uh, loved, love his personality. Love everything about him. So yeah, shout out to Mike Keith. Again, we just want to thank all the previous guests we've had on our show. We're so grateful for your time, and we appreciate every one of you guys. Thank you so much.
1: Well, we are on a bye week, and so we will be checking back with you all next week. In the meantime, please find us on Instagram at Titans Talk with Kayson, and send us a DM from wherever you're listening from, and we just might mention you in a future episode. Also, if you have not subscribed already, please find our show at TennesseeTitans.com. Go under the audio tab where you can find all the fabulous podcasts that are available under the official Tennessee Titans Podcast Network. Included in with our show is Titans Amy and Coach Mack, the OTP4D, and Out of Bounds with Jamie Robinson and Abby Flittner. We will be moving our old show from our previous host onto the Tennessee Titans podcast network. So if you have previously subscribed under our old show, please find us again. This time, look for Titans Talk with Kaysen, officially by the Tennessee Titans, wherever you are listening to the show right now. And be sure to share with your friends.
0: And we just want to thank all our friends and family for their love and support of the show, and especially my dad and my brother Trevin. You're another big reason why we are where we are. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys
1: so much. I love you guys. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank
0: you so much for an amazing two years, and here is our throwback conversation with Voice of the Titans, Mike Keith. And don't forget to... Tighten up and be Tennessee
2: tough! My guest has a job where on any given Sunday, his voice can be heard over the airwaves by tens of thousands of people. He's also famous for speaking only two words during the NFL season. He loves his team almost as much as I do. He's the one, the only, Mike Keith, the voice of the Tennessee Titans.
3: That was one. <laughs> I like that. Now that's an intro.
2: Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you for being here.
3: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. I've heard a lot about this. I I saw you guys on TV. I saw the feature about your your, your podcast on TV. You guys are big time.
1: Wow. <laughs> that is awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just got a little lost there.
3: <laughs> That's all right.
2: Yeah. Well, we met you last year in May after the Titans 5K, and we got to get a selfie with you. That was awesome.
3: Oh, thank you. It was fun for me, too.
2: When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you, grew, when you were growing up?
3: This. This right here. This is what I wanted to do from the time I was seven years old on. Uh, I got interested in sports when I was literally in second grade and at the same time got interested in radio. The two things merged and I had no other plan. If this had not worked, I have no idea what I would be doing. So the people who grew up with me, would tell you that this is no surprise because I talked about it all the time, I annoyed them about it all the time, I read about sports, I read about broadcasting you know there there are a lot of people in life who don't know what they want to do until they get into their twenties or thirties, and, and that's fine i mean there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think everybody sort of finds their own thing in their own time but I was really blessed that I knew from an early age. And so when I got to college, uh, I went right to work at the student radio station immediately. I had done some things in high school. And uh, once I got to college, I I started working right away. I thought I wanted to go into fraternity, but instead I dropped out because I told the guys in the fraternity, I said, listen, what I really want to do is broadcasting. And they're giving me a chance at the student station. And my buddies in the fraternity thought I was crazy. They're like, you're going to miss all this fun. And, and I did. I mean, I missed the fun that they had at the fraternity house, but I had my own fun getting to do the things that I had always dreamed about. And so it was a really good decision for me. I don't think it's for everybody. And the majority of the people that I started in broadcasting with got out because it's not an easy life. Uh, you work a lot of nights. You work a lot of weekends. You travel a lot. You're away from your family a great deal. Uh, you have to have understanding people in your life. It's just its just not simple. It also, because it's fun, it doesn't pay great to start with. Anything that's fun, there's a lot more supply than there is demand. So they don't have to pay you a lot to start. My first year that I worked in the business, I made $11,000. And it, it was not a lot even then. But the thing was, I I knew that it's what I wanted to do. And in getting into it, you're willing to make those sorts of sacrifices. So I think had I not known so early, seven years old, I don't think I would have stuck with it the same way. Because like a lot of people just say, hey, I can't do this. And three of my former interns have gone on to become millionaires Outside of broadcasting, uh, they've made a lot more money than I'll ever make. They're happy doing what they do, and even though I'm not rich, uh, I'm very happy doing what I do. I wouldn't change anything. I'm I'm rich in that. I love what I do, and I think that's uh, that's something really special.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
3: Long answer. I'm sorry.
2: No, <laughs> you're fine. Did you love sports when you were growing up? Did you play any sports? Oh yeah,
3: I did. I played everything. Everything that was in season. Uh, football, baseball, basketball, track. I mean, you name it. I took part. I ran cross country in middle school, Uh, right? I'd finish a football game or a football season and jump right into cross country before we went into basketball and then play basketball and go straight into baseball then play baseball all summer and go right back into football. And I did that all the way through my freshman year of high school. After my freshman year, I became just a football, baseball guy all the way through. Baseball was really my sport. I had a chance to play college baseball, but again, chose not to because broadcasting is really what I wanted to do. I I made a decision not to go play baseball in college because I wanted to go to the University of Tennessee. My dad said, you know, if you want to do sports broadcasting, you better go somewhere. There's a lot of sports. And the University of Tennessee, obviously being in the SEC, being a big school, you know, you start off covering things like track and field. You cover swimming and diving. You cover things like that. You don't get to cover football right away. You'd like to. But that's the great thing about going to a larger school in a big conference is they've got a variety of men's and women's sports. And I always tell anybody who wants to get into it, you've got to be ready to dive into volleyball just as seriously as you would football. If you do a great job in volleyball, you prove to people that you could do a great job in other sports. And I think it's a great lesson, you know, the attention to detail. I covered the 1996 U.S. Olympic gymnastics team when they uh, had their finals in Knoxville. And uh, that was the carry, carry shrug and all of them. And even though I was already established in what I was doing in Knoxville at that point in football and other sports, I love doing it because it really reinforced what you have to do every day. You get the story, you ask the right questions, you, you're looking for who the right subjects are. So that's the challenge is nobody just gets to jump in and be the play-by-play announcer for a football team because everybody wants to do that. You have to do a lot of other things to sort of pave the way, if you will. And then you just hope you're lucky enough to get a break. And I was very lucky, very lucky.
1: Yeah. It almost sounds like you were being prepared when you were a kid by doing all of these different sports, you're preparing for a busy life as a grown-up. Does that sound Maybe about
3: right? So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that that may be right. I, I was pretty one-dimensional, which is not really a great thing to be. I, my kids are a lot more broad than I was. They, they play instruments. They sing. My son's an actor. My daughter wants to be a writer. You know, our family, my, my wife is, is an unbelievable painter. She's a nurse but she's a painter. And, you know, they've taken me to Broadway to see plays and they've expanded my world dramatically. I love HGTV, which shocks people. I love it. But all of that came later in life um, because I was so narrowly focused and I, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing, but that's the way I was. I mean, I I just had a passion for this and in, in doing that was lucky enough to be around some people who taught me a lot of great things about right ways to do it and wrong ways to do it and really helped me to grow up too. Because when I was younger, I was very impatient. I wanted it to happen very quickly. And they knew, you know, they knew they're like, slow down there, cowboy. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. It'll, it'll happen. Um, and and that, was a, that was a really important lesson that I got. I've been lucky in so many different ways, but the people that I got a chance to be around who taught me, took a real interest in me and put up with me being difficult at times and, and being young. You know, for like a lot of us, they they realized eventually I would grow up and they encouraged me. And that was that was just such a key.
2: Awesome. When did you start working for the Tennessee Titans?
3: So that's kind of an interesting story because I'm working in Knoxville and I work for W I V K Radio at that time. I'm covering the Vols, and Peyton Manning is the quarterback at Tennessee and everybody is interested in everything Peyton Manning, okay? This is his sophomore year, and it's obvious that he's going to be a great player, and the Vols are going to have a pretty good team. And so they're in their training camp in August, and we're just going like crazy. That's back when they had two practices every day and full pads and – you know, we would get there at seven o'clock in the morning and we'd get home at 10 o'clock at night. And uh, it was a lot of hard work. And so my boss said, hey, listen, there's an NFL preseason game at Neyland Stadium on Sunday. It's Washington against Houston. I'm going to give you two tickets in the skybox and you just come to the game, eat the good food, hang out with your wife, have a date night, And so what we'll do is we'll just, you know, you just sort of, you don't cover the game. You just go to a football game as a fan. And I told my wife, and she was off work at the hospital, and she was like, oh, that's great. We'll do it. So we get to Neyland Stadium, and I'm literally going through the buffet line. And the word gets out that the Houston Oilers have signed an exclusive contract to negotiate with Nashville to move the team to Nashville. Well, I'm from Nashville and I'm a huge NFL fan. And so I'm like, this is unbelievable. So about the middle of the second quarter, I take my wife back to the car, get my tape recorder out, this big old tape recorder that I had. And I go back inside and now all of a sudden I've got to cover this story. And my company Uh, the company for which I work, got the rights to to carry the Oilers games when they moved to Tennessee. And they were going to start in 1996 for the last year of the Houston Oilers. So stations in Memphis and Knoxville and Nashville and all over the place carried the Houston Oilers games in anticipation of the team moving. And I, I wrote the president of the company a letter and I said, hey, listen, I'm from Nashville. I love the NFL. If there's anything I can do to be associated with this NFL, I want to do it. So they let me host a 15-minute show, which aired on the Tennessee stations that carried the last year of the Houston Oilers. That was 1996. And they said, well, you did okay. And so they, the next year, while the team played in Memphis, I was the scoreboard host um, for the team's network. And, and again, they were playing in Memphis. I was still in Knoxville. And then they hired me full-time to come to work for the ball club in early 1998. So it was really kind of a a wild set of circumstances. And now I get ready to start year 23. So I guess it's worked out okay. I guess it was a good decision to to go cover that. Uh, my wife's still kind of mad. She I don't think she got to eat that night at the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a great
2: story. Yeah.
3: True story.
2: Do you have a designated place you sit in while you're announcing the games?
3: No, because I don't sit. <laughs> <laughs> I stand. Oh. I never, I never sit. They tease me because I'm short. They say that so I can see over the counter. Oh, to be no. Able to see. Really, got, everybody <laughs> makes a short joke out of everything. But the truth is, I have a place um, and at home. I'm on the far right side of the booth at Nissan Stadium. On the road, it can vary because every booth is different. But the reason I stand is because I have things that I put up on the wall. Uh, I have uh, different notes, charts, rosters, statistics. um, I mean, just anything. And I type up this big packet and I'll show you. This is one of the folders. I don't know if you can see it. Let's see. Kind of. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But the but the bottom line is I come with a folder full of stuff that I tape up because I don't like to have things on the counter. And the reason I don't is it's hard to find things. And so I, and I have all of the things taped in the same spots wherever we are. So I know when I'm looking, okay, I'm going to turn to one o'clock and there's this, I'm going to turn to two o'clock and there's this, I'm going to, you know, so on and so forth. So, It's easier to access that stuff when you stand rather than sitting. So I never sit. And it's also nice, too, because then we're able to take a chair out of the front row because I'm not ever going to sit down. And that gives Coach Mack and Rhett Bryan, who spots for me, more room to to be able to sit and be comfortable. Uh, I don't need much room. I'm not a big guy. So it's, it's really nice for them because my whole thing with when you broadcast is I want everybody to be comfortable. I worked for a man at the University of Tennessee by the name of John Ward. He's my greatest idol in the history of broadcasting. Loved the man till the day he passed away a couple years ago. But we all wore coats and ties, okay? Everybody wore a suit and tie. Everybody was buttoned up. You, you didn't have your tie loose. Your tie was uptight. I don't believe in that. I believe in everybody being comfortable. Now we're not there in, you know, cut-off jeans and stuff. I mean we, we look nice. We're not golf shirts or not your garden shirts clothes or, or <laughs> Right. I mean we're we're dressed nicely. I don't think anybody's embarrassed by how we look. I hope not. But the point is I I want everybody to have room. I want everybody to to feel like they're in a space where they can work cuz we're at work. You know, And if you come in our booth 30 minutes before we go on the air, you would think we're the goofiest bunch of guys you've ever met. Because everybody who is in there is crazy. Everybody I work with is crazy. And they're telling stories and they're telling jokes. But here's the thing. About 15 minutes before we go on, this thing comes down and everybody goes into game mode. And that's what's so great about working with professionals is they know when it's fun and they know when it's time to go. And our group knows when it's time to go. So being comfortable and understanding all of those sorts of things is a big deal. I'm really in tune with how they're feeling. Like Coach Mack, Likes his cough drops here, so I've got cough drops for him. Rhett likes this, and I got a Hershey's chocolate back here for the guys because they like to have a Hershey's chocolate every once in a while. I I think you work better when you're in your element. And so for me, that element, a little strange, is I'm standing up the whole game. A lot of people tease me about it. That's okay.
1: That's right. We're in our seats watching the games. And if I could stand the whole time, I would, but I realize we have people that sit behind us. So I got to be respectful for that.
3: (laughs) When people come in our booth, it's funny because people will come in the booth and they'll say, Hey, we'd like to watch you work the whole game. And it's like, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, but what they realize is because I'm standing up, they can't see the game. (laughs) So after, so after the first quarter, after they've seen the back of my head for, you know, 15 minutes, they're like, goodbye. We're, we're out. <laughs> I understand.
2: That's awesome. But uh, after the season we had uh, last year, I don't think anybody can blame you for standing up because it was so exciting.
3: It was fun. It was yes. the, it was as fun as any season I've ever had, because for like you, and I'm glad you got to experience that. My son, who's 21, uh, even though he wasn't here, he's like, Dad, we you know, we beat New England. We beat Baltimore. You know, he's fired up with his friends. And for, for those of us who got to have that when the team first moved here, it was awesome. But it was so great to, for the young fans to get to have their own moment and their own time. And what I'm excited about is I think better things are even on the horizon. We're in the mix now, and I think we're going to stay in that mix. Now, it's hard. I mean, nothing is given because we're all so equal, but I I think we've sort of found part of what the formula is and and understand what it's going to be about. So for you, uh, I'm excited more than anybody else. And for me, and I said this to a friend last night, I don't think he believed me, but January was as fun for me as January of 2000. Because in January of 2000, it was new and it was different. We had the Music City Miracle and it was exciting. But truthfully, we didn't exactly know what was happening. That month was more fun after it happened and because we realized what it was after the fact. This January, January 2020, for those of us who'd been around, we knew what it was. When we beat New England and eliminated Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, we knew that was special. For those of us who've been with the organization a long time, beating Baltimore the next week was even better. And then to go to Kansas City knowing you're one game away from the Super Bowl. And listen, they have a really good team. They ended up being the world champions. It was no disgrace to lose to them. But to be in that mix and to have people talking about you again, to watch all the national shows and they're talking about the Titans – that was what was really awesome, and that's why people say, "Oh, what about your memories?" This is my, my best memories might have been two months ago because I, I think we're going to have more of that. I really do. I'm I'm fired up about what John Robinson and Mike Vrabel have going on.
2: Yes, same. I'm so excited. Besides being the play-by-play announcer on Sundays, you co-host the official Titans podcast with Amy Wells, Coach Mack, and Jim Wyatt. We're big fans of the show, by the way. Huge fans. Yes. Thank you. You also have a weekly radio show and TV show during the season with coach Mike Rabel. What other shows do you do? And were you, and you are also in uh, the motion picture Cecil available on Amazon and Google play. How do you keep up?
3: That's an interesting thing. Uh, We filmed my part of the movie five years ago and it didn't come out until last year. Cecil was done by Spencer Fritz who actually works on Titans all access and so I do Mike Vrabels TV show and I do the Titans All Access television show with Amy Wells and then we do the, we do the official Titans podcast and then we do the Vrabel radio show and then we do Titans Tonight with Keith Bullock and then I do Radio Hits with 11 different Titans radio stations throughout the region which I really enjoy. It's fun taking questions from Memphis and, you know, Birmingham or Chattanooga or, or, you know, Paducah, Kentucky, Bowling Green. It's real cool. It's a lot in terms of things on the schedule, but the season actually isn't too bad because it's kind of like the movie Groundhog Day. Every Monday's the same. Every Tuesday's the same. Every Wednesday's the same. And there's some freedom when you have a schedule like that because you know what's coming. So that's not so bad. The off-season's really different because every day can be completely different. And when Spencer came to me and said, hey, listen, he goes, I got this movie idea. He says, we're trying to get the financing. He said, would you film a scene in this movie and we can use it for our trailer to try to raise the money to make the whole film? Well, I have a cousin who's an actor. His name is David Keith. Uh, He was an officer and a gentleman, fire starter, uh, Lords of Discipline, uh, I mean, uh, Baker, all kinds of great movies. I'm no actor. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, but I've, you know, seen it enough and I'm kind of intrigued. I said, yeah, I'll do this. Cause I, I don't think anybody's going to see it. So I'm playing a crazy basketball coach, which wasn't real hard. I've been around some crazy basketball coaches and we had so much fun doing the sort of the demo. He said, listen, if we end up making the movie, we want you to play the part. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> well, then they ended up making the movie. Well, so I filmed, I only filmed for four days and I learned a lot about how you get people in the right spots, different camera angles, things that I actually have used on our, on our TV show. So it was a great learning experience. And then I got to work with some professional actors and I saw how they did things and learned a lot from them. Well, they cut the movie together and they didn't like the first cut. And so they cut the movie together a second time, and the money people didn't like that cut. They ended up cutting the movie four different times in terms of putting it together. And what was great for me is every time they went back and did it, more of my character got in. So I was That's like, a good. "Good thing. Uh, I would do it again. I, I really would. I, I guess I'll have to play some sort of crazy coach, though, maybe I'm stereotyped now or a, or a nutty announcer.
1: Well, we saw the show and we thought it was awesome. We thought you did a fantastic job. Yeah. Thank you. I loved it, honestly. According to
2: BleacherReport.com, your Music City Miracle call was number 11 in the best play-by-play calls in sports history. Congratulations on that, by the way. Well, thank you. What's your most favorite play-by-play call?
3: Well, that's tough. I hate to hear myself. That's funny
1: because Kason hates to hear himself, too. (laughs) hates it I know. Well, I mean not I think we're all it. Like
3: I've got news for you, Casey. That's probably not gonna change a lot the rest of your life. Um, there are certain things that have been passable at different points. The the Music City Miracle thing is really funny because there were four different calls of the Music City Miracle. There was the call on TV, and they were basically arguing with each other on TV. And then there was the Buffalo call. And it was a legendary announcer. His name is Van Miller. He's since passed away. Uh, Hall of Fame caliber, you know, I want to be him when I grow up. But he had said something to the effect of, he had predicted we were going to do something tricky. And so during the call, his call, he said, he said, I told you, I told you so, I told you, it was something like that. That's not exactly right. But he was not calling the actual play. He was basically just talking. And then on national radio, the announcer was was calling the play and was calling it beautifully. And his color commentator just started screaming. And so you couldn't hear the play-by-play announcer anymore. And so, dumb luck, our call ended up being the only one that we sort of called the play all the way through. And I got a little excited at the end. Okay, I got really (laughs) excited at the end. And it's it's Kind of embarrassing to, to still hear it. Oh, no. uh, I was, I was. It's the uh,
1: best.
3: Well, thank you. I spoke for my best friend growing up a month ago in Memphis at his school, and they played it at the at the high school. And most of these kids, even though they're what fifteen to eighteen, they weren't alive, and so they had never seen it. And when Kevin Dyson got to the end zone, they all went nuts. And so that kind of made me feel better because they weren't there. They weren't even born, and the play elicited that much emotion from them. So I don't think I was very professional at that moment. I was professional (laughs) until he got in the end zone, and I'm proud (laughs) of that. Uh, That's what John Ward taught me is to be professional. At the moment he reached the end zone, however, I just lost my mind.
1: As Um, yeah, I remember that play, and oh, my gosh. Where were you? I was actually watching it on television. I've actually been a fan since they moved here, and I remember going to a game at Vanderbilt before
3: they You know what's played. cool is to hear everybody's story about where they were during the Music City Miracle. Yes, yes. And some of the stories are just so touching. They bring tears to your eyes because it's like, oh, I was with my dad, and, you know he's no longer with us unfortunately but it's one of was one of our 10 greatest memories together and you know just all kinds of people who want to stop and say let me tell you how this affected me and it's the most beautiful thing about sports you know I talked earlier about the fact that I'm not as deep or as broad as I'd like to be but sports touches me in the way that sub art touches people and when you have moments like this that people can cherish as memories for their whole life, especially like with what we're going through right now, uh, thinking about what a distraction sports is all the time for people who are going through hard things. I had a, a friend call me one time and say, "Listen, I, you know, was at the hospital with my dad and we were listening to the game, and it really meant a lot to us, and you know, things of that sort." are are really really special and even though sports is not as serious as real life you know this is not the the most important thing in the world but to give people that connection and that break and that entertainment and those memories you know where we were what we were doing who we were with what we were eating what we were wearing (laughs) what our hair looked like uh it's really It's a, it's a special thing to be able to be a conduit to people in that way. And, and the miracle place remains that to this day. That's why I'm not really interested in hearing it. (laughs) I mean, I will, if you know, like when my buddy, when, when they played it at at MUS last month, you know, it was okay. That was, that was fine. (laughs) But, but I love to hear people's stories and once a week, Somebody will stop me and say, "Listen, I just got to tell you, my mom has the greatest Music City miracle story. She was Aww. making chili, and she, you know, she burned the hot tamales, you know, or whatever because she gets so excited."
1: That's awesome. School. I know we had some moments during this last season where Kason and I we we sit next to each other. We literally are just like holding hands, and during a couple of the games, I just started crying. I think it was I know last season. When we beat the Patriots here, I just got a couple of seasons emotions minutes, yeah. ago. Yeah. Not this past
3: season. That it's was cool. one of the more emotional games that I've ever yes. had because yeah. you know, when when we lost to them fifty-nine to nothing in two thousand nine, and that was that was a real low point because we were oh and six and we were going into a bye week. And I thought when we got on the plane, I thought a lot of people were gonna get fired. I, I thought mm. that was gonna be really, really bad. But I just remember uh They laughed at us quite a bit that day. And so when we beat them here, and then when we beat them in January again, it's two in a row, by the way. Yeah, that's right. um, My dad has a saying, and it it, it holds true. Every dog does have his day, and uh, we got to have ours two times. So it was pretty emotional for me that way, too, when we won that game and to see our fans just walking out of the stadium you know, over the eventual world champions and saying 34 to 10, they took Tom Brady out of the game with seven minutes to go.
1: They did? I don't and remember that.
3: They absolutely Oh did.
1: yeah, I remember.
3: It's um, <laughs> beautiful. So That's kind of hard it was to, a,
2: to imagine that Belichick would do that.
3: It was. Well, he was getting hit. But Belichick knows and he knew that one game was not the season. And so... That's what you have to respect. I have a lot of respect for Belichick and Brady and the Patriots. And, of course, we have Coach Vrabel and John Robinson who have that in their background. I have a lot of respect for what they do. And when they practiced here last year, it was really interesting to watch how they worked and what they did. And, I mean, it's obvious why they've had this special period of time. But I feel like we have something special going right now in that same way. And I think our fans get what we have going on right now, too, which is really cool. Yeah, 100%.
1: Yeah.
2: How was it to cover the Titans' epic run to the AFC title last season? Any moments stand out to you?
3: I think the moments that stood out to me more than anything else were the trips. Uh, So we get to Providence. That's where we stay when we go to Foxborough. It's easier to get to the stadium from Providence than it is from Boston. And so we go out the night before and there are all these crazy Titans fans from all over the world, all over the world they come in for. And we had the best time and I thought we were going to win the ball game. Now I'm like, I don't do predictions or anything like that, but I'm really feeling good. But then it's like, can we really beat the Patriots at their place? And then, you know, it was great going into Baltimore and meeting with the fans in Kansas city and meeting with the fans. But I'll tell you, The moment that struck me the most is when Logan Ryan intercepted Tom Brady with nine seconds to go, goes into the end zone, and after I said, touchdown, Titans, I didn't say anything else because I couldn't think of anything to say because I knew at that moment we beat them. I mean, you knew in your heart it's over. All of this for them, as good as it's been, it's over. And we did it. And I couldn't think of anything to say because at that moment, that became real to me. I became a fan just in that moment. Eventually, I thought of something. And I looked around the booth, and there were some tears coming down some people's eyes. I mean, it was was special. The difficult thing about the NFL is you're going to have good moments, and you're going to have bad moments. And, I mean, it's going to happen to everybody. And you almost have to live through some of the bad to truly appreciate the good. And uh, I appreciated that good a lot.
1: Yeah, I love that. We
2: wanted to congratulate you for being inducted into the Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame recently.
3: Thank you. Thank you. That was a huge surprise. I I did not see that coming. They got me good. (laughs) Uh, I thought I was walking out to interview somebody and I walk out and I see my mother. I'm like, what is my mother doing here? And then I see my wife, and I see my brother, and all the people that I work with, and nobody says anything. And I'm like, this is really odd. And uh, then my friend Bob Kessling came out, and um, he told me, and it it was really a special thing. I mean, to be from Tennessee, and to have grown up here, and to have known all these names, and to think somebody feels like I'm worthy of being in a group with them, that's pretty fantastic. I would have never seen it come. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
2: All right. And uh, we have breaking news uh, just today is that Derrick Henry signed his franchise tag tender. And I'm super pumped about that. What are your thoughts about this?
3: Yeah, it's huge. Uh, What it shows is that Derek feels good about the process. Uh, John Robinson and, and Mike Vrabel both said some things yesterday to the media about how they want to keep working with Derek and they're excited about Derek. And, you know, by Derek doing this, he's showing, hey, I want to keep working toward the long-term situation, however you want to say it, but to be with the team for a long time. And it, it was hard from a timing standpoint that they were going to be able to get Tannehill and – Henry done that quickly together. And so one of them was going to end up being franchised. I felt that way all along. I thought the one one of them gets a contract done, and then the other one gets franchised, and then that gives him until July 15th to keep working on a long-term contract. And it, it just shows good faith all the way around, which I think is a wonderful thing. And because I think Derrick Henry is just so... So special for what we do. Part of the reason he's so special is back when I started covering college, there were a lot of big backs in college. There were a lot of 230, 240, 250-pound backs. That was the style. Today, with how everybody spreads out, the backs are mostly small because you want these quick backs who can catch and who can hit the holes fast. And you're not looking for the big I-formation type back of the 80s and the 90s. Well, so when teams have to play against Derrick Henry, he's so different from what most of these guys have seen in college and even in the pros. I think it's one of the things that gives us a big advantage. He's a different force. It's like having a center in basketball who's seven four. He's not six ten. He's seven four. He's extra tall. Derrick Henry being extra big is a problem for defenses because A lot of the guys on defense, particularly the linebackers, are considerably smaller than they were 10, 15 years ago because quickness is at a premium.
2: You can ask uh, Baltimore and Jacksonville about Derrick Henry being so big and hard to tackle.
3: There you go. I couldn't have said it better myself. I like that.
2: Is there anything on the horizon for you that you want my listener to know about?
3: I hope people just keep tuning in to the official Titans podcast, which we call the OTP. That was Amy Wells creation. And I like Thank you, what you we get to do. But- <laughs> Thank you, Amy Wells, because we get to talk about a lot of different things. Right now, we're doing two different things with the official Titans podcast. is We're breaking down things towards the draft, which is fun. And then we're having our usual conversations about what all is going on with the team. And so that's something that's really grown. We've gotten a lot of response. And it's amazing when we traveled Uh, In the playoffs, how many people from around the country and around the world that we met, hey, I'm from England, I'm from Australia, I'm from Germany. Uh, We love the official Titans podcast. That was really special because we put a lot into it. We tried to provide a lot of extra insight with that because we have more time. You know, that's the nice thing is we have more time. So hopefully uh, more and more people will subscribe to the OTP.
1: Well, we have to think of an OTP queue. From the OT people.
3: Well, I have to tell you something, and I'm just I'm sneaking this to you. Next week, Mike Vrabel is going to be on the OTP, taking questions from the OT people via the OTPQs. So you need to get your question in for the head coach. He wants to come on and do that. He he likes to come on the OTP, and he loves questions from the fans because he gets tired of questions from me. <laughs>
1: We we watch he gets, the Titans he
3: gets really tired of me.
1: <laughs> We've seen we watch your show, so we.
3: <laughs> That's not fake. We can't do that. <laughs> That's not fake. He gets he gets plenty annoyed with me. Ashley Farrell produces the show, and Ashley Farrell is his favorite person in our whole building. He loves Ashley Farrell, so whatever Ashley Farrell does is fine. So if somebody's got to tell him something about, hey, we're doing this on the show, or we're changing this, Ashley goes and tells him, because if she says it, it's all great. He's like, oh, that's wonderful, um, because she laughs at his jokes, so that's why he <laughs> likes her. Ashley is one of our secret weapons in everything that we do. She's, she's close with a lot of players. She's close with our owner, Amy Adams-Strunk. She's close with Coach Vrabel. Uh, she's, she's the one that kind of holds it all together, so uh, I'm very thankful for her. She does a great job.
1: Shout out to Ashley Farrell.
3: Yes. Shout out to Ashley Farrell.
2: Well, Mike, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with me and my mom.
3: It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on.
2: It's been an honor talking
3: with you. Truly. Well, thank you.
2: But before we go, I have three questions I'm going to ask each guest. Go. Are you ready for yours? Roll. All right. What advice would you give your 11 year old self?
3: Read, 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 read. The more you read, the better a writer you become. And your reading skills and your writing skills are the two most important things you're going to do. It translates to anything that you're going to do in broadcasting, in media, in, in, in business, period. Your reading comprehension and your ability to write are two things that work in any business that you go into, in any field, anywhere. I wished I had been, I love to read now. I read a lot of things that don't have anything to do with sports. I read newspapers. I read books. Um, it's just, it's such a great thing is to just take time and spend reading a book, reading a magazine, reading whatever. I mean, it, it builds a lot in you totally.
1: Well, you guys have that in common. Kason and his brother, Trevin, love to read. Love good. it. Good,
3: yeah. good, good.
1: Was there a
2: mentor or teacher that really inspired you when you were growing up?
3: Had a lot of teachers that did. Had a lot of teachers that uh, really encouraged me. Um, As a matter of fact, I got a letter from one of my teachers from seventh grade congratulating me on the Tennessee Radio Hall of Fame. She doesn't even live here anymore. I hadn't seen her in 40 years. And she sent me a note. And I, I was really lucky that way because all the way through I had multiple teachers who encouraged me. Larry McElroy at Battleground Academy was one who was really special because when I took his calculus class, he would put me on the blackboard and would make me do play-by-play of the problem.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
3: A squared plus B squared equals, you know, stuff like that. So I, I was lucky that way. A bunch of teachers.
2: Okay. Now, finally, pizza or steak? Pizza.
3: Pizza. I've never had bad pizza. I have had better pizza some places than others, but I've never had bad pizza. I've never had bad pizza out of a cardboard box. I've never had bad pizza uh, out of the freezer. I eat pizza <laughs> for breakfast. I love Chicago-style pizza. I love New York-style pizza. I will eat pizza any anytime, anywhere. Uh, when we played in Chicago in the preseason I took everyone to Giordano's, had it all set up. My wife's from Chicago, so I've had all kinds of Chicago-style pizza. I love it. Pizza is my thing. Steak's okay. I like a steak. It's great. I would eat pizza every meal. I like it better cold. I'm easy.
1: Well, I have a huge favor to ask. I don't know if you would be open for this, but you mentioned that you had watched his segment on News Channel 4. where. Mm -hmm. He was doing a little bit of um, a Mike Keith impersonation. I
3: I saw that. Yeah, that was pretty good.
1: And I wanted to know, could you possibly accompany Kaysen on a Touchdown Titans?
3: I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get you there, but you have to do the Touchdown Titans because I can't yell unless I've warmed up. So who are we playing?
2: Um, Just any team.
3: Pick a team. Give me a team. Uh, I
2: think the Jets.
3: All right, so we're playing the Jets. All right, it's 22 17, Jets lead, 34 seconds to go. We've got fourth and two at the Jets, too. It's fourth and goal. So, right now, we're going with a three tight end set. Pruitt is in the backfield, and Pruitt is joined by Smith. They're in a diamond formation with Henry as the standing tailback. Now, Pruitt will go in motion out to the left. Dennis Kelly will motion to the left side to become the tight end, making himself eligible. Tannehill barks them out, takes a long look at the Jets' front, which is a seven-man front. They now have nine men along the line of scrimmage. Tannehill takes the snap, turns, pitches left side. Henry starting at the five, darts around the corner, breaks a tackle, dives for the pylon. Touchdown, Titans! Yes! <laughs> Dan, <laughs> Henry.
1: Oh, that Titans
3: 23, Jets 22. 24 ticks remaining. <laughs> <laughs> that well was done. the best. That was the best. Thank well you. done. Thank you.
1: That was, that was awesome. We so appreciate you taking the time.
3: Oh, this is great.
2: Well, thank you so much for joining, Mike.
3: Case and Carrie, thanks so much. Just, just remember, tighten up.
1: Yes, <laughs> <to> tighten up. <laughs>